0: You're listening to WMNF Tampa music and news.
1: Here comes the sun, doo-doo. here comes the sun, and I say it's all right.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today, we are talking with Bill Kern, Associate Professor in the Department of Entomology and Nematology at the Fort Lauderdale Research and Education Center at UF. And we're also going to be speaking with Ann Carson, founder and CEO of Jiminy's, a sustainable pet food and treats company that uses cricket protein. So today's spooky Halloween show is all about edible insects for people and their pets. But first, we have a call from Shelby Alinsky, president of the Temple Terrace Community Garden, to tell us about some events that are happening with their group this Sunday. Hi, hey Shelby. Shelby.
1: Morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. We happy can. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Spooky time. I was say. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've got five minutes. I'll make it super quick. And so, yeah. So this Sunday we actually have a couple events going on this weekend, but I'm going to focus on our Sunday event, which is super cool. It's an under forty garden hangout, right? And so this is for the community gardeners, your backyard gardeners, and our young scrappy farmer folks that are you know, running the Tampa scene, and I want to get together, and I'll just hang out. And so it's going to happen this Sunday at 4 o'clock to maybe like 8.15 at our River Hills Garden. Uh, We have three locations, so we're going to be at the River Hills Garden um, at River Hills Park. Um, And so, yeah, it'll start at around 4. It'll be a potluck. It's an omnivore delight, but we should think about our, our vegan and vegetarian folks, too. But bring a dish to share, your cornhole, something fun. And it's just going to be a great time. I, I, have, I, I just found an email that we have a, a donation for beer. So that's exciting because, you know, hopefully it's 21 to 40, right, that's coming out to hang out. Um, but we're <laughs> going to have an overall, it's just going to be a super fun time. You know, as an adult, it's really hard to make friends. And we have just a, such a cool scene of young folks. And I want to give us as an opportunity to use a garden space to just kick it and hang out and be in a beautiful space with beautiful-minded people. Shelby, so, could yes, you ma'am. give us the address
3: of that location?
1: Oh yes, ma'am. Let me pull that up.
3: Okay. And ah! then um, is there a website that somebody could click on to get more information?
1: Yes, ma'am. That's perfect. So um, the best fit for the event, for the uh, for the social, is to go to our Facebook group, Simple okay. Terrace Community Gardens. And then we also have a website, org. You go to the contact button, and it'll take you to an email that I hate to check, but I'll check it this week for you. Yes. So I could So I can <laughs> connect, right? Um, but yeah, and then my telephone number is there as an emergency contact. Again, this is Shelby Alinsky. So when you go to the org website, You'll find the contact information for the email, for our Facebook group. Or we, we, we're going to list all of our socials because though we're okay. a gardening space, I'm going to make this a space for refuge and for us to all hang out in a cool garden space. And maybe we'll hang out and talk about gardening. But, you know, I want I want our gardens to be a place for people to hang to. Yes, as well as a gardens. place of
3: refuge, right?
1: Exactly. Super. So that's, so that's on Sunday. At, um 4 o'clock at our River Hills Garden. Oh, we pulled that garden. Um, so the garden, uh, or the park's address is 329 South River Hills Drive, Temple Terrace, 33617. Um, and the garden is by Boy Scout Park. But again, I highly encourage, because I only got a couple minutes left, or a minute left, to go to org, where you can find our Facebook. where We're posting all these fun things that we're doing, so... Again, I really appreciate your time. And so, our under 40 folks, come out Sunday at 4 at our River Hills Garden. It's going to be a hoot. Like I said, we'll have beer, hopefully food, definitely cornhole. And by the end of the sunset, which if any of you guys have never been to the River Hills Park at sunset, it's beautiful. So, let's all hang out together. Okay. As you know, and you know, you're going to
3: take pictures and have it on your Facebook page, too, right?
1: I'm sister, I'm we love taking pictures. Yeah, <laughs> we do. And we got an Instagram page. So, again, people, community garden folks, backyard gardeners, young farmers. Okay.
3: Let's do it. Shelby, Shelby, you are a delight. Uh, Thank you so much for connecting with us and and getting this on the air.
1: Appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. And, again, happy Monday and happy Halloween, y'all. Thank you. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: She's adorable. Thank you, Shelby. So we're going to also put that in our show notes and on our Facebook page. Yeah, we'll have a link on there. Yep, Sustainable Living WMNF on Facebook. And you know... Uh, Shelby had so much energy and excitement, (laughs) I forgot to mention that I am Kenny Coogan, (laughs) one of the co-hosts, and with me, of course, is the wonderful Annie Ellis, but also with us, working the boards, keeping us on track, is Mr. Bill Grace. cannot do it without him. And Greg is answering your phone calls today.
3: And I am in a skeleton outfit today for Halloween.
2: And Mr. Bill Grace has a big old... uh, Henna, henna tattoo, tattoo. on so his pretty. hand.
3: You might want to consider getting that permanently. It's
2: beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with uh, no we,
3: pain though.
2: Right. <laughs> uh, we've been teasing the show for months because yes. we are so excited that we could come up with a theme that we thought was a little spooky, but <laughs> but mostly misunderstood. Right. And we want to promote sustainable living. So we want to uh, encourage people to maybe lower their carbon impact. And one way to do that is how you eat. So Annie is going to introduce our two guests. And uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about edible insects, edible bugs, maybe arachnids that are for people and pets.
3: Yes. So we're talking with Bill Kern, associate professor in the Department of Entomology and Nemat, what is it nematology at the fort lauderdale research and education center in the university of florida and we're also talking with ann carson founder and ceo of jiminy's which i just love it's jiminy cricket right um i wish i could do this little song that he sang i, I was trying to think of it i was going to do a, a little round <laughs> but it was uh we're i'm trying to find something else oh here we go here we go it's uh Written down, and you know, r- r- reading is, uh, is not always the easiest, <laughs> apparently, right? So let's see, uh, Dr. Bill Kearns' uh, expertise is urban entomology, Afri- Africanized honeybee management, nuisance wildlife management, and medical and veterinary etymology. And then Ann Carson... Uh, so interesting. I read uh, all your stuff, uh, has spent an entire career working with consumer brands across many categories and seeing a niche for sustainable pet food. She started Gemini's. And we thank you so much for coming on, Bill and Ann. We're excited to hear what you guys have to say.
0: Well, thank you very much.
3: You're That's welcome. Great- yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, You, get, you guys have radio voices. <laughs> so we're going to go back and forth. We have questions that we've uh, put together, and we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to start with Bill. Uh, Bill, why do you think America is so resistant to eating insects?
0: Well, it's partly cultural. Remember, the food that we like to eat is culturally learned. And for Americans, um, we have... Been raised to think of insects in your food as a contamination or an indication that the, the food has gone bad. Right. Um, so we have, it's a cultural thing with most Americans.
3: Yes, I uh, I agree. I never thought about it that way, that, you know, when you have bugs in your grains, you throw the grains out, that's for sure. Whereas in really reality, you can probably just cook them and get a little bit more protein. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before. <laughs> so, Anne, uh, we have another question. Is uh, is it safe for dogs to only eat treats, foods that are made out of insects? And can cats also be a candidate for insect pet food as well? Because I didn't see anything on there for cats. Uh, well, absolutely, um, okay. and and when you look at
4: the food that we're making for the dogs and cats, um, it's made like other dog food and cat food, uh, where it it's protein, but it has other ingredients in it as well. So it actually looks like any other dog food or cat food um, that you might buy on the market. It, it is a complete protein, though, and it's also digestible for the dogs and cats. It's as digestible as chicken or beef. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's it's a fantastic protein for, source for them.
3: So uh, while I have you, because I have a cat, so uh, she only eats uh, wet food and it's not lumpy. Do you have something like that? She's sub- particular. <laughs> so particular.
4: So right now in the U.S., we've only got uh, insect-based Foods for dogs. Okay, and that's, that's a regulation thing. Okay, so, cat so, food is coming, um, and when we do it, we're gonna we're going to actually start with the wet food oh, because good. the cats love so much. Yeah. We make wet food and dry food for the dogs, and they just love it. And the great thing about the dogs is they don't overthink it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, they
4: just go <laughs> at it,
3: don't they? <laughs> yeah, there's, if it tastes good i'm in (laughs) that's funny and so um both you guys uh do you know the protein and nutrient content of the insects and how does that compare to eating traditional foods
0: uh bill you want to start oh uh in terms of actual protein content yeah yeah um for you usually for something like mealworms or for house crickets um, you're looking at 20 to 25% protein, and then there's usually about a, a 10% or so uh, fat, um, and then you have other ingredients, including um, roughage, which is primarily chitin. Chitin?
4: Yeah. Can I comment? Um, Please. We really, for both y'all. Yeah, uh, well... Because um, we're, you know, constructing uh, dog food with this, we, we tear it down to the um, building blocks of the protein. Okay. So we're amino acids and uh, the amino acid profile is fantastic. It has all the essential amino acids that the dog needs and the dogs actually need um, more amino acids than a human does, uh-huh. uh, essential. And uh, if you go to our website, you can see a breakdown on that. And we compare it to um, the AFCO standards. AFCO is like the FDA for dogs and cats uh, and the, what, the, what they're looking for for the dog to be completely healthy. So it's it's really exciting.
3: That is exciting. Makes me really want to go that route. In fact, I um, we'll talk about it a little bit, but I found a lot of human
2: stuff for it too. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of... Uh edible insects for humans. Bill, can you tell us, are all insects safe to eat? Can I go in my backyard and start digging in the ground?
0: (laughs) Um, Probably that's not a great idea. There are some insects that are toxic, uh, partly because of the food that they eat. If they're eating plants that contain or produce toxins... um, you know, for example, I would strongly discourage anybody from eating oleander caterpillars. Oh, yeah. Um, but generally, what what we recommend is if you are considering eating insects or adding insects to your diet, um, you know, use uh, farmed insects, purchase farmed insects from a reliable source. And then the, the second thing is it's always a good idea to cook insects before you eat them.
2: Oh, okay. Very good. So our show is the Sustainable Living Show, and we talk about uh, one definition of sustainability is we have to balance people, profit, and planet. So, Anne, could you tell us why is feeding and eating insects, why is that better for sustainability compared to red meat or chicken and pork? Well, I I mean, to to raise them, it takes
4: less land, less water, almost no greenhouse gases. Um, I I like to compare a lot of times if, if you've got an acre of land and you put cows on that acre of land, at the end of a year, you'll have about 192 pounds of protein. If you put chickens, 265. But if you put crickets on that same land, You'll have sixty five thousand pounds of protein that's at the end of the year impressive it's it's amazing it really is different um and and that that really is sort of why we got into it in the first place. I mean the nutrition of course was a, a must have but this this level of sustainability uh for a protein source is
3: incredible
0: wow i I'm mean and that's partly be- that's partly because With insects, you're not dealing with um, uh, a warm-blooded animal. Um, (laughs) When you're feeding grain to either cattle or chickens or pigs, a lot of that energy is is coming off as body heat. Whereas with a cold-blooded insect, you have a much better conversion of plant material to animal protein. That makes a lot and that's sense. what makes it really so much more um, sustainable and environmentally friendly.
3: And I imagine they're not giving off the gases that all those other uh, mammal animals ruminants. Have. Yes. Exactly.
4: Yep. The other thing is, you know, they they have pretty short lifespans. So you're raising multiple generations over the course of the year. In addition, when they they lay an egg, it's not one egg; they're laying five hundred eggs. So, so you know, you really can make this work. Wow.
2: And can you get can you source some um, your cricket protein from the U.S. or do you have to import it?
4: Oh well, all of ours is sourced within North America. So we go up into Canada as well. Um, we're working with all you know um, professional farms where this this is what they do this is the only thing that they do and we work with not just crickets at this point we're also working with uh what we call grubs yeah. we have food that's called good grub um but it's it's black soldier
2: fly larva
3: yep. yeah we got them
2: <laughs> <laughs> um I forgot what... um,
3: You were going to ask? No,
2: I remember I was going to ask, but I was going to say, we just had him on OTH Colhane. He's in charge of Rosebud Continuum, and he raises um, the black soldier flies for the chickens. Oh, I love it. But every time he gives a tour, he opens up the container and he starts munching on them in in front of the college students. To just
3: freak him out a little bit? Well,
2: not really. I forgot what country he's from, but he goes, you know... Everybody except for the U.S. is eating grubs. But yeah. uh, Dr. Bill kern did say that we should probably be cooking our bugs before we eat them.
3: But I do know that yeah. uh, I, you <laughs> see them in other countries, and they're just those big, big fat ones. Yeah. They're, you know, popping them yeah. and in their mouth. In yeah. a little
2: bit, we're going to ask, Bill, what are some of the uh, recipes and cultures that they make. But when I was in Thailand, uh, I had a foreign exchange student here in the U.S., from Thailand, And then I was able to visit her about 10 years after high school, and we would stop at gas stations and markets, and she would buy I- edible insects, not for the wild factor or the gross factor, but, oh, I grew up with this, and I love a bag of silkworms that are dusted in... Uh,
3: paprika.
2: Yeah, paprika or so they, they, uh, der- Dorito They were powder. like fried or something? <laughs> yeah, they were so fried. So it's just getting like
3: a, a snack, a bag, a bag of snacks. <laughs>
2: That's right. That's well, interesting. Well. So, uh, speaking of cultures and since the dogs are not purchasing your products, but the, <laughs> but, but the people who take care of them are, of. <laughs> do you, do you have a pushback at all from the consumer? Do, do, well, do, do they like this idea? Do they understand that it's sustainable? Are they confused? Are they open to it? Yeah.
4: Well, our consumers are very open to it. And, um, I I should say we've been doing this now for since, uh, let's see, I started the company in 2017. And at first, people would say, wait, what? You're using crickets? (laughs) But now uh, we're getting, wow, that's cool. And it turns out that millennials and Gen Z uh, make up about 50% of the dog owners in the US now. And they're the consumers that care the most about sustainability. And um, they are so open to this. They, yeah. they, It's really a great place to attack the problem.
3: Yeah, you know, it's a nice uh, segue, really, when you think about it. You know, he, let your dog eat it first. <laughs> He's your food tester. and Make sure it's not poison. <laughs> I'm only joking, of course. But it would be like back in the medieval days and mm-hmm. the kings had their tasters. <laughs> well, um, you know, you've always seen your dog eat something much weirder than <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> for Got a sure. For But my cat, no, my cat eats a lot less uh, crazy stuff than I do, that's for sure. Uh, I need to do our little reintroduction. I'm Annie Ellis, and you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show at WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guests are Professor Bill Kern of the University of Florida and founder uh, and founder of uh, CEO of Jiminy's Pet Food and Treat Company is Ann Carson. We're talking about edible insects for people and pets on this spooky episode of the Sustainable living show if you want to be part of the conversation give us a call at 813239 Nine six six three, or send us an email at dj at wmnf and
2: we'll read it on the air. And I also want to know if the listeners have tried edible insects and what their thoughts. Oh yeah, were. that'd be great to hear. I'd love to hear that.
3: Uh, and you know what we were wondering too, uh, Bill. Do you know uh, what are the other the commonly eaten insects in the countries? Yeah. Uh, we talked about two things, but
2: yeah, mealworms uh, and grubs. And,
3: and isn't there more though? I would think.
0: Oh. Um yeah especially when you go to uh, asia mm-hmm. um, you mentioned uh silkworm pupae and mm-hmm. so that it's a it's a large um, insect and it is a byproduct of the silk industry so oh. so after and and all of the silkworms um that are raised for silk production are all farm raised um matter of fact. The, the modern silkworm could not survive in nature. Uh, and so
3: uh, they've, they've changed their their way so much that they can't defend themselves anymore.
0: It's like turkeys. They, well, they, they, can't even, <laughs> they can't even find a mate. Um, wow. So they're fed, you know, they go in and they cut branches of mulberry and they lay the mulberry out and let the, the caterpillars feed on it. When they're ready to pupate, they spin their silk cocoons, but if they let the, the moth emerge from the cocoon, it would damage the silk. Right. So, what they do is as soon as they finish spinning that cocoon, they then take them and uh, drop them in boiling water. Okay. And that helps to loosen up the threads of the silk, and it also cooks the, the pupa, or it's usually called a pre pupa. Because it hasn't quite started changing to a moth yet. Mm -hmm. So, we have this large number of large insects. You know, they're the size of the end of your thumb. And it's a byproduct. And they've been using it as a a food supplement for livestock. And people have been eating it. Um, And in certain areas, uh, Korea, uh, Japan, China... It is a very important, well, it's, a, it's become a cultural food. Um, during times of shortage, when meat was in short supply, it became a valuable protein. Mm-hmm. And it has um, retained this cultural aspect. Um, and so now if you, if you go into a bar in Korea... Um, they often have these fried uh, silkworm pupae, and you you dip it in kind of a spicy sauce and eat them, kind of like. Uh, uh, pretzels or potato chips.
3: That's great. You know, it's really sustainable too. When you think about it, every single thing has been used.
0: We like byproducts.
3: Yeah. That's wonderful. Yep. It's a completely
2: completely uh, used product. That's fabulous. And speaking of great tips, you can only hear on WMNF <laughs> 88.5 Tampa. Bill has a special message. You're so smooth, Kenny.
0: <laughs> the Sustainable Living Show in WMNF Tampa is an ethereal locale. It is where our listeners can find community where hope and ideals give birth where music both breaks barriers and enwraps you, and where ignorance and division comes to die. You can own a parcel of this astral savannah by going to our website, wmnf.org, and clicking on our tip jar, directing your donation to S-U-L for Sustainable Living. And may the sunshine always warm you.
3: Oh, we're in an astral
2: savannah.
3: <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Bill, you're so clever. So I think uh, it's your turn for questions, isn't it? Okay,
2: great. So Anne, why did you decide to start making uh, dog food out of insect protein? You you mentioned that you saw a niche, but um, how did you come to that conclusion?
4: Yeah, that's not really the the actual reason why. I I did used to work for one of the big pet food companies uh, and that company got acquired. So I decided to stay in California and as I was trying to decide what I wanted to do next, uh, I was having this conversation with my daughter about what she might want to do next. And uh, we got onto the subject of kids and she told me that she didn't want to have any kids. Oh. And I, I got to tell you, it hit me super hard. She um, she was worried about what the, the world was going to be like by the time those kids grew up. Yes. And I, I would love to have grandchildren someday. And... I realized that I just couldn't do a normal job after that. I had to um, think about building a better future for her. It was everything. So uh, I got approached to lead a uh, sustainable pet food company. They were using grass-fed beef. And I told them, love the idea of sustainability in pet. Um, you can make a lot of impact within pet. It's it's huge. Uh, 25 to 30% of the environmental impact of meat consumption in the U.S. is due to our dogs and cats. Um, But cows were never going to be the answer. So I started looking at other protein sources, saw the U.N. study that said insects could be the answer to world hunger. I ordered some dry roasted crickets online, which you can do. And I tried feeding them to my dogs and the drool just started immediately. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, they were all in. And so so basically I was off to the races at that point. I mean, there was a lot of work to do because I had to do a lot of the science behind it. But but I knew we had something that was really um, special and going to make a
2: difference. So I have a question for you, Anne, and also, Bill. Do you think it's more ethical to eat insects than red meat or chicken and poultry? And I'm not just talking about environmental ethics, but I'm also thinking about, you know, Anne was mentioning her daughter and future grandchildren, but then I'm also thinking about, like, boiling the pupa. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh,
3: Is it less uh, awful for the animals (laughs) in their death?
2: So obviously this is an opinion, but Anne, what do you think?
3: Well, I, th- I think it's
4: way more humane. Um, animal agriculture is really brutal. I'm a vegetarian, but I will eat insects. I will say that. Um, I guess they call it an entotarian. Oh, that's nice.
2: Um, <laughs> because I'm yeah. also a vegetarian, but I also like to promote meat eaters eating insects.
4: Yeah, there you go. Well, I, I think you know any any small change that anybody can make is going to make is going to help. Um, I think if, if you can start to incorporate it into your, um, you know, into your diet, I think that's fantastic. The dogs are a really easy way to make the switch. They love it and it's so good for them. But, um, but I make myself a, a cricket protein smoothie. And um, it's delicious.
3: Yeah. I when In researching this, I found, and they will be on our uh, Facebook website, I found a lot of places that you can order a lot of uh, edible insect foods, uh, flowers and uh, bars and just a million things. I was very surprised at uh, how much was yeah. available.
2: About five minutes ago, I just Googled, uh, cricket protein and Publix came up as a, no kidding. As a ground Publix. flower. Yeah. Wow. So, Bill, I want to ask you as well, what are your thoughts about the ethical uh, farming of the insects compared to other sources of
0: protein? Well, from from a sustainability point of view, it, it makes a lot more sense. Um, and it's probably not going to stop me from liking beef and chicken and pork, but uh, I have eaten insects and uh, I actually use um, mealworms we used to, to feed mealworms to uh, my daughter's chickens and it it really seemed to improve the quality of the eggs that we were getting yeah um, we would get instead of just this sort of... Uh, Kind of blah yellow yolk. We would get these rich golden, almost orange uh, yolks to the eggs, and um, now some people have complained to my daughter that uh, her eggs tasted a little too yoky or too um, eggy.
3: Oh wow! I'm not
0: sure what eggy means. That doesn't but sound
3: like a bad thing to me.
0: <laughs> I I liked them. Yeah, and and it's it's a great way to train the chickens because oh, as soon as they see you with that bag of dried mealworms, um, or it could be dried crickets too, um, they just come running to you because it is such a preferred food for them. Wow. And um, it's, it's high in protein and the, the amount of protein you can get for pound of plant material, um, is as Ann said, it's probably what um, sixty times higher. Wow! So um, and
3: they probably wouldn't be getting much fat in any other way. I mean, they're getting mostly grains and such like that. So unless they're digging their own, they're not getting that much. So that's that sounds wonderful. Yeah.
0: Right, and, and it's and it's a complete. Food.
3: Yeah. When yeah.
0: whenever you eat a complete animal,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, you're getting all of the amino acids, and quite often a lot of the uh, the vitamins,
3: minerals too. Uh, I would think because it's in uh, you know anything that's in that uh, realm, I would think would be getting
0: more minerals. Right, and very often when we're using insects to feed uh, pet reptiles. We'll, we will dust them with a the calcium dust oh. to increase their calcium. Oh, very good. Um, so
3: We have, um, we have some uh, emails and we have uh, telephone calls. Yes. So we need to go to that right now and see what they have to talk about because we're
2: interested. Yes, we are. So I want to remind listeners that I'm Kenny Coogan and you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF. Today's show is all about edible insects for people and pets on this Halloween episode. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813 239 9663 or send us an email at djwmnf.org and we will read it on air. And like uh, Annie was saying, we want to hear if you've ever had a bug. So I got a message, I think. On purpose. (laughs) On purpose. I believe this is from Mr. Bill Grace. He said Nicole Kinman has a YouTube video of her eating crickets oh, from okay. Vanity Fair.
3: You have to be fast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first uh, caller we'll take is Amy. And Amy has a question. Hi, Amy. Thank you.
1: Hi. Hi. This is Nicole from St. Pete.
2: Wonderful. St.
3: Pete, welcome.
1: Um, I was kind of wondering, you know, there's always like yin and yang to things, you know, Like, you take fish oil, and you got to make sure that the mercury has, you know, been removed Mm -hmm. or mitigated. And the same thing with a lot lot of things. My dog used to help me get those big loppers because the lopper is like an oversized cricket. The loppers? loppers.
3: The loppers? Loppers. Is that what you're talking
1: about? Yes. Uh Exactly. They used to devastate a lot of my plants, so uh, my dog would help me with them and he would shake his head like in distaste like yeah you know i can't believe i had to do that but i had to do it for you mom and um so i was kind of wondering what uh in what science have they done to um figure out what what is the bad part and has it been removed
2: all right very good amy uh and do you so these are farmed and farmed insects so go ahead and
4: yeah and actually um what we found is that there really isn't a bad part um there was a hypothesis when i first got started that there might be um a problem with the chitin but it and the chitin is the exoskeleton of of the insect but it's turned out that it, there's actually a huge positive um, it's fiber and that fiber feeds the good bacteria in the dog's gut. We actually worked with a company called Animal Biome uh, to do a, a study on it and it the dog's uh, microbiome was enhanced uh, based on that chitin. Mm-hmm. So and we keep looking at you know there's study after study after study and as I have only seen good news, uh, one of the other things that just came, is um, the black soldier fly larva, the grubs have a uh, lauric acid and lauric acid um, is helps with mental acuity. So, um, at, you know, if your dog is starting to have cognition issues, uh, this is something that can help so
2: super exciting uh, actually, is everything that I've seen. Wow And can you go back to the microbiome so you're saying that, because their gut health microbiome is being enhanced, that improves their what does that improve? Their mm-hmm. overall health and their oh, yeah. ability to digest. The, the microbiome is so important in
4: in almost everything, and there's different microbiomes within the body, but I'm talking about in the intestines right now. But that's how the food is dig- digested, and um, you know you want a diverse uh, set of bacteria in your gut because that's really helping uh, the animal digest the food and and access. Ah, uh, the nutrients. And so uh, this uh, chitin, and, and particularly the crickets have a lot of it, but the grubs have it too. Um, it feeds the good bacteria. And actually, what we've seen also, there's a study that shows the grubs have a compound on in them that suppresses, the bad bacteria, the one oh. that causes diarrhea. So
2: that's pretty incredible as well. Wow. So there's about a 900 species of crickets, and 100 of them are found in the U.S. Um, and Amy is uh, still on the line, and she was saying that her dog is eating a lubber, which is like a giant native which, grasshopper. Isn't
3: it toxic? For yeah. Lubbers?
2: So, Anne, do you know the species of crickets you use, or no. are there multiple species?
3: Yeah, there's two
4: in particular that we're that are using being farmed, that are, that are being farmed, and um, the the banded and the house cricket are the two that that are being farmed.
2: All right, very good. So, Amy do you, do you have a follow up? Do you? Uh,
1: no, thank you. That's great.
0: All right, thank, thank you, you so for much. Calling. That was well. Yes,
2: interesting.
0: And one of the problems with lovers is because of the plants that they like to eat. They're very fond of eating um, lilies that have a lot of toxic compounds. right? And then they, they actually sequester those toxins in their cuticle. So that's what makes lovers taste so bad. And, you know, theoretically, they could make you sick if you ate them. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting thing is down on um, Alligator Alley and on Tamiami Trail, I've watched the grackles have figured out that once a lubber gets run over by a car and all its guts get squished out, they can go and they can eat the guts and it won't make them sick.
3: Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because, I wonder why. because
0: the toxins are in the cuticle.
3: Oh, on the outside, you know. There's another thing with uh, with the Crichton. Uh, it's uh, the best thing in the world for uh, helping your soil microbes. Mm. Uh, I use a crab meal. I was just going to say, like uh, crustaceans. Yeah, and, shrimp, and that's in the same crabs, family. Yeah. Uh-huh. You use a crustacean ground up uh, to uh, suppress the nematodes uh, and help build the microbes in the soil. So, I mean, that makes so much sense to me when you're talking about with in our bodies or in animal bodies too.
4: So, That's an interesting point. The, the frass is um, what's left over after they've raised the crickets or the grubs. Uh-huh. Uh, it's their bedding and basically their poop. <laughs> yeah. And they use that as a fertilizer. Oh, sure. And
3: fantastic fertilizer. Oh, yeah. That would be like, uh, you know, when you raise worms and you're using the worm tea uh, for, the, for your plants. It's just the best thing in the world. It's wonderful.
2: All right. So we got a couple of uh, phone calls and a couple of emails. I'll read um, this quite uh, short email because it's just fun. I've eaten a lot of insects in my life (laughs) by being a biker and it's not been by choice. (laughs) That's from Stephen. So. Thank you, Stephen, for that. But now we're going to go to Clay. He's been very patient, <laughs> and uh, I believe Clay has also eaten bugs in his life. Hi, Clay. Hey,
5: hi. hi. Yes, Clay. I'm, I'm noted amongst my family as, uh, as a bug eater. <laughs> <laughs> so That's your party we have, trick. We have, family, we have family functions, and they're outdoors, and the bug's getting people's food. And my nieces and nephews, knowing that I would eat the bug, will bring me their piece of food or drink <laughs> and, and watch me eat it. <laughs> and I even went so far as starting eating the mealy worms for my uh, niece's turtles. And I told so her, dad said, stop eating the mealy worms. They cost too much money. <laughs> 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 and I once ate a cockroach in a bar on a bed Oh, crunchy. Yeah, wonderful, huh? Crunchy. Crunchy. So, um, the the, the, uh, the that what what that ended up having happened was uh, the Lisa Gibbons show. I don't know if you remember that morning show that was uh, on. Yeah, uh, Lisa,
3: L-E-E-Z-A,
5: huh? Right, Lisa, the Lisa Gibbons show. And she, uh, um, I don't know, asked a question to people, and someone called in and told them I'd eat the cockroach. So they flew me out to California to eat bugs.
2: Oh, was, my gosh. We are
5: talking but, now, to the famous happened. Clay. Yeah, well, that's well, right. Well, here's what ended up happening, though. When when I got there, I said, well, you take me to a bait store and I'll do some shopping for the stuff. I'll get mealy worms and some grubs and get, uh, you know, uh, earthworms and those kind of things and eat those. And uh, we get crickets, too. And uh, we went and bought all this stuff, came back. And just before the show was to go on the air... The producer said, I couldn't eat any of those things on the air because it was a prime time. It was like a morning show, and they were afraid that it would give kids a bad habit. Mm. Oh, that's so weird.
2: But now we know it's not a bad habit. It's actually good for the Exactly. <laughs> that, was,
3: uh, that was so early. They hadn't figured that out <laughs> in America yet.
2: Well, they did. They just didn't
5: want to do it. I don't know. People wouldn't, don't like the idea. Of people- Queasy in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the stuff was... Um, uh you know, I ended up eating tripe and um, calamari and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, I still mean, had eat things that were supposed to be strange that other people might not eat. But, oh, that's so weird. I will really eat almost anything. And yeah. get my food. And, and, uh, you I'm should
3: gonna be called Mikey. Mikey will eat anything.
5: <laughs> right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that said, I, I, I did want to ask a question, though, since you have an entomologist on there. I think it was Kenny said at one time that uh, a few shows back that he had a mosquito that was growing in his vermilion that didn't bite people but ate other mosquitoes.
2: Is that right? Yeah, an elephant mosquito species, yep.
5: So, you there?
2: Yeah, elephant
3: mosquito species,
5: yes. Okay, so what I was wondering is if that's the case, you know, the the, the state of Florida has done a lot in trying to uh, find um, uh, ways of biologically dealing with mosquitoes, so why don't they breed those and release them all over the place?
2: I don't yeah. know. Okay, Dr. The, Bill, do you know about the, elephant
0: mosquitoes? Well, yeah, it's actually um Toxarenchides um, I just call it the good mosquito. Yep. Um the the larvae are predatory. The the females lay single eggs in tree holes and bromeliads, and their larvae are are big and predatory and they eat all the other mosquito larvae. Okay. So, um, most of our mosquito control districts do actually uh, rear them in the laboratory because you have to feed them on mosquitoes. So, you feed them on mosquito larvae, either uh, Aedes or Culex larvae um, in the laboratory and then you take the individual um, mosquito larvae, the 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 good mosquitoes and you put individuals in tree holes and then you that's how you introduce them to the environment and it is one of my favorite mosquitoes because they are simply gorgeous um imagine a a flying emerald because the scales on their side are just metallic emerald green yeah i posted a video of them on uh
2: the Sustainable Living WNF Facebook page and my Facebook page because they're so large and they kind of just uh, hover over a flower. Oh! And I was able to film maybe three or four of them how just beautiful. just hanging out for about twenty minutes. Well,
3: how do you get them? How can the regular person get them?
2: I mean, you're a regular person, Kenny. Sort
3: of. Well, yeah.
0: I- contact <laughs> contact your local. Sorry, contact your local mosquito control district. Local. Okay. And. See if they have them available. Okay. Um, not all uh, mosquito-controlled condo- districts have the budget to farm them, mm-hmm. um, but many of them do. And I would say the ones in the Tampa Bay area probably um, could provide them for you. Um, and then you would just introduce them to tree holes, um, large tank bromeliads. So they need they actually need a fairly large tank Okay. Um, compared to what... You know some of our little um, bromeliad breeding mosquitoes need. So,
5: can you introduce them into like a rain barrel where mosquito uh, larvae? <clears throat> I have rain barrels, and you know mosquito larvae in there. I usually get mosquito fish, but they don't last too long because the birds steal them. So, uh, could you introduce those larvae into a, a, a rain barrel with uh, to eat up
0: your? Larvae? You c- you could, but you'd be you'd be better mm-hmm. off with. Um, Using uh, gambusia, um, which is the eastern mosquito fish, um, or our um, uh, least killifish, um, which is another native species that's a a voracious predator.
2: Or even guppies. Yeah, and Clay, I just put a a broken uh, window screen on top of the... um, That's um, how
3: you keep those birds out. Yeah. Because they're going to do diving kind of situation.
2: Thank you, Clay. We have uh, several more...
3: Thank hey, you for listen,
5: calling.
2: Thanks for the great show, and, and thank you nice. for remembering about the elephant mosquitoes. Yeah, that's right. Really, really
5: great guest too. Thank and,
2: you. And thank, thank you. All right, so we're going to go back to edible insects. Uh, we do have a caller, Ryan, and so Ryan, we're going to take you, but we also have several other uh, emails we want to get to. So, Ryan, uh, I think you have a question about the comparison of protein.
5: Yeah. Hi. How you doing? Um, great. Uh, protein-wise. Uh, how
2: many beans would I have to eat to equal
0: one cricket? Uh, beans to cricket. Bill yeah. or Ann, do you have that answer? Well, the biggest problem is that generally beans are not a complete protein. So you would never get all the amino acids you need just from eating beans.
3: Do you have to right. add rice to that, don't you?
0: Um, rice or, or some other um, protein okay. source. Okay, so uh, beans and rice. How
3: many crickets do you have to eat to compare <laughs> to your little teaspoon of beans and rice?
2: Right. Yeah, Bill. Do you have
3: any uh, ideas an on that? Or Ann?
0: I would. It would just be a guess on my part.
2: Yeah, right. it would be a guess on my part as well. <laughs> well, guess you're pretty smart about this. <laughs> like um... three, or, or not even three. <laughs> but can you tell us like a half a cup, of, or can you tell us what a serving size of a uh, cricket flour is? <laughs>
0: well even even just a a single cricket probably would be comparable to about uh one teaspoon of beans and rice okay i would say
2: or or even more if you're if you're at the protein level Oh wow! thank you ryan for that uh okay that's 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 about even that's about even okay all right thank you ryan thanks for your help all right i think i'll get a one more email in and then um Annie will ask a couple of questions. We have a text message. I was in Venezuela about 30 years ago, lived in a couple um, of different places. I tried some hot sauce that was made from ants and termites. It was very hot. I believe the recipe came from a, a Native American uh, tribe or yeah, civilization. So regarding that email... Um, Bill or Ann? I have a question about that, actually. Annie's been doing lots of research. Yes,
3: I did. I love it. Uh, So for both of you guys, uh, apparently the Native Americans regularly ate insects, but the Europeans who moved to America degraded them for doing so, suggesting they were less than as a people because it was just gross to them, and so they were just putting them down, so they stopped eating them. So... uh, do you know about the native americans and their and their uh eating habits or
0: that sort of thing well i mean the you have to remember that um in hunter gathering peoples worldwide yes Yes. not just in the americas but worldwide um very often insects were the reliable food source Mm -hmm. you couldn't always guarantee that you were going to get meat um So vegetables and insect protein was a reliable source of food Mm -hmm. and the amount of energy it took to harvest, you know, let's say uh, beetle grubs from a rotten log compared to the amount of energy it would take to run down uh, some type of game animal Mm -hmm. um, means that you would have a much better return on eating insects, and in their culture, um, they knew where to look. Yeah, you know whether whether we're talking about, you know, um, the agave worms in Mexico, which are actually caterpillars. Um, there's two different species. Uh, one that is the tequila giant skipper butterfly caterpillar. That's the the white uh, uh, mague worm. And then the red mague worm is actually the caterpillar of a moth, um, but they're both from the agave. And then in, let's see, um, like siri grubs in Peru, these are the larvae of uh, palm weevils and palm weevils can be quite large. The, the one that we have here in Florida, our native um, um, giant palm weevil, the larvae, you know, the, the mature larvae are roughly the size of an adult man's thumb. That is a lot of protein. That is a lot of
3: protein. That so would be a-, a lot of
0: protein and a lot of fat. Yeah. And very often, fat is a limiting nutrient. And yeah. so, so it's, there's lots of things that have been used um, by native peoples. And, you know, Europeans probably did this too, and they lost it. Right. They, they lost that behavior um, because of heavy agriculture.
3: Yeah. They um, also, being animals, uh, and also around.
0: being in a, a temperate climate. Um, Also impacted.
3: You know, one of the Um, things I saw that when I was researching is that uh, there is also different times of the years when uh, insects are like rising up, and uh, all it becomes a you know a two day festival that they're just scooping up worms or uh, insects out of the air with nets, and they're just loving eating them. It's amazing. Cicadas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And so you know, we uh, and we wanted to ask you too. I know that you have something that's on your website is called an Echo calculator and you can enter your dog's breed and food intake and what is that and how does that work please oh sure
4: it, it's it's really a lot of fun um, you basically go to our website and there it's right up on the menu it, eco calculator you put in a little bit of information about your dog you know a lot of it is around how big is the dog does it fit in your purse or does it walk you <laughs> <laughs> and then what protein you're feeding your dog if you're feeding um uh chicken versus beef there's there's a big difference there and then how much do they eat and and then it'll calculate the impact and like uh, for instance i've got a, a great dane named timber oh my and, goodness that's a big. And dog. What it, it helps you visualize it. For instance, for Timber, um, feeding him—if I was feeding him chicken—it would be like three hundred thousand toilet flushes, um, or driving six hundred and eight miles. You know, that's that's the kind of um, comparisons that you can see there in the
2: dogs in the dog's lifespan.
3: No, that's for a year.
4: Oh wow, that's a big dog.
3: Do you did you name him Timber? Because when he falls, you have to yell <laughs> Timber, so everybody'll get out of the way. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny with words. Uh, I love it.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Ann, for that. So uh, we only have about five minutes left. Um, The last thing we'll ask Bill. I wanted to say something before.
3: You know, when we were looking, I was doing a lot of research, and and I I found 12 listed sites that you can get started on that you can purchase a huge variety of edible insects products, flowers, chips. They even have a bolognese sauce that you can get with protein bars and protein powders. And all those links will be on our blog site. So I just wanted to let everybody know that. And I was very surprised at the amount of uh, uh, things you could get.
2: And Annie, what did
3: you type in? Edible insects? Probably. I type in tons of things. (laughs) I make full sentences when
2: I type in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
3: just follow the rabbit hole, you
2: know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Bill, do you have any um, recommendations of how to prepare insects for human consumption?
0: Well, for for simple things to start out with, like um, uh, yellow mealworms, Um, I just like to saute them in a little bit of peanut oil and then uh, sprinkle them with, um, you can use either flavored popcorn salt or uh, you can use a little bit of curry powder, uh, however you want to spice it. Because the one thing about mealworms and most of the insects that we eat is they don't have a strong flavor, mm. and so you can you can flavor them however you want. Um, Sneak it in a meatloaf.
3: Does that make it crispy when you do that, or or does what is it still wet on the inside and, and
0: no, crispy on the outside? It's pretty well. They're going to be pretty well crunchy. Okay, um, okay. Roughly, roughly the consistency of uh, potato chips. Oh, okay. That's um,
3: why your friend was getting those as a, like a corn chip snack. Yeah. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And then um, the other the other way is with crickets, and crickets again. You can roast them, um, either roast them and then roll them, or roast them or um, uh, sauté them again, and uh, put them out on a, a paper towel. Roll them, and I like to roll them because it, it breaks off the wings and the legs. <laughs> um, because, especially with crickets, uh, their hind legs have lots of spines. Yeah, and, they do. And they need to floss. Yeah. 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 So, you.
3: <laughs> I was thinking about that when the guy was on the motorcycle. He needs a lot of flossing.
2: <laughs> well, okay. So, Bill, unfortunately, we're out of time. So, thank you for that. And I have one more question. When do you expect to offer cat food made out of insect protein?
4: Yes. I think we're about a year out. Okay. And that's
2: that's because of um, the industry or law regulation?
4: The regulation. So the regulation for dog is ahead of cat. Um, and But I've seen the studies. It, everything looks super positive. I'm super excited about actually working with it. Okay, Very good.
3: Uh, yeah, my, my cat's cat. excited oh, too. <laughs> we need that kind of food. I don't like the idea of giving her killed animals.
4: Yeah. I really hate it. it so, And
2: can you tell us how people can get in contact with you and Jiminy's?
4: Well, Jiminy's—it's pretty easy. Uh, Jiminy's dot com. It's J-I-M-I-N-Y-S, uh, and that's the best way to reach me as well. Very just through good. The
2: website thank you and and uh dr bill kern how can people learn more about your work and research
0: um well the best places to find information about whatever you need um, is to go to the university of florida edis website e-d-i-s and it has all of the fact sheets that have been produced by the university of florida on virtually every topic that you could possibly imagine every question you have about your your garden, Thank your you. landscape. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you both. You guys were wonderful guests.
2: We encourage our listeners to eat bugs. We do have a special uh, message from Mr. Bill Grace. He says, how can you tell a happy biker, count the bugs on their teeth? <laughs> if you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org, donate through the tip jar, and direct your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. It helps us keep on air. Stay tuned. In the next hour, you will hear WMNF, Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, the source to listen to today's Tom Hartman Show Live. Make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. We'll be talking about mushrooming. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living, to stay in the loop. I am Kenny Coogan.
3: And I am Annie Ellis. Jiminy Cricket's song is High Hopes.